Well, good morning, Thrive Church. Guys, I'm excited that we get to continue this series together, The Christmas Story. Um, now, there's something you need to know about me as a person. Uh, I am the type of guy, the individual, that loves to understand. I love asking the question, why? Uh, pastor Kevin, our lead pastor, on a number of occasions, I have annoyed him to death because I asked, well, why? Why? I remember one time I was on stage giving an announcement, and the way I did it was not, didn't, I didn't do well, basically. And he sent me a text while I was giving the announcement and said, hey, next time do this. And I replied simply, I will, but why? I want to know why. I remember even as a child, it didn't, this didn't happen just because I became a grown adult. Oh, no, no, no. It started even as a young child. I was the annoying kid. Some of you, you have kids that were like me. Um, some of you just have annoying kids. I don't know. That's between you and the Lord and your family. But listen, I remember standing in the kitchen of my grandmother Louise's house. I remember it. I can still smell the kitchen. I can still smell her house. And I looked to her. We're on our way to church. And I said, Mama Lou, if God knew, if God knows everything, then that means he knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin. And then she said, uh-huh. And then I asked the question. I said, then why did he even create them if he knew it was going to happen? And my grandmother, with love and grace and mercy, did and said exactly what I would have said and done. I don't know. Let's talk about it later. And if you are like my grandmother or like me as a dad, as a parent, later never comes. You hope they never bring it up again. Because there are some things, guys, we just don't know the answer to. My grandmother didn't know the answer to. And maybe for you, it's a different question. Maybe for you, it's, it's something completely irrelevant. Maybe it's something selfish. I don't know. But here's the truth that we have to uh, almost be okay with is there are some things in this life that we will never be able to explain. Like, why can't I wear a plaid shirt with striped pants? Why can't I? Why is that a faux pas? I don't know. But for obvious reasons, I would never do that. So here's what I want you to do. As we are in this series, turn with me to Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. And know this, you are in good company to have some questions that do not have answers, that do not have an explanation. Uh, as we're in this series, in the Christmas story, we're looking at key uh, figures and characters in the life of Jesus, and specifically last week and today, his birth. Last week, we looked at uh, Jesus' mom, Mary, and how, again, how for her, she didn't meet qualifications. She was, uh, we don't know why God chose Mary instead of someone else. We just don't know. And today, we're going to look at kind of the other side. We're going to look at Joseph, who is Jesus. Technically, it's not his dad. Technically, Joseph is a stepdad. So what we're going to do is we're going to look at his experience and what Joseph went through. And again, there are times where we just don't get it. We do not understand. So, and one quick thing we have to remember is the culture and the backdrop of this passage. So Joseph and Mary, they were engaged. Now in their culture, in their day and time, this was a big deal. Uh, this was not just something that was posted on Instagram, got a bunch of likes and everyone moved on with their life. No, there were standards that had to be kept. There were things they could do, they could not do. And one of the things that could not happen while they were engaged, especially in this culture, was premarital sex. So now here's the deal. So if that happens, so let's say again, they were engaged, not married. Mary shows up pregnant. Um, can you imagine the conversation of Joseph saying, and Mary with Mary saying, yeah, um, you're not the dad, the Holy Spirit is. Let me go ahead and tell you something straight up, and I'm gonna be real with you. 
If I were in Joseph's shoes, I'd have a lot of questions. And her answer would not have been good enough. So let's jump in. We're going to read this starting in verse 18. Some of you are like, you know what? I have a lot of questions now that I need some explanations to. Well, let's read together starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. Now, I'm going to tell you, that's a nice thing of Joseph to do. He did not blast her on Facebook. He didn't drag. He said, you know what? I'm going I'm to be, be good about this. I'm a righteous, upstanding man. I care about her reputation. I care about my re- I definitely care about my reputation. Let's do this on, on the low. But let's keep reading. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And this is one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. And she will have a son and you are to name him Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Uh, The prophet they're referring to is Isaiah. So about 700 years before this moment, the prophet Isaiah, when you read primarily in chapter seven, he talks about the coming Messiah. So this moment is fulfilling something that was written 700 years before. It's incredible. Let's keep reading. Look, you gotta say it like that because of explanation point, you gotta read punctuation. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and you will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. That's such an encouragement. When Joseph woke up, from this wild dream, let me tell you, I would, I would have, again, still questions. He did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Again, as you read that, because this is not just a story, this is a historical moment. Let's put ourselves in Joseph's shoes. I would have had a lot of questions. I still have a lot of questions. But what Joseph decided to do was to be obedient. So he took Mary as his wife. They lived as husband and wife. They had a baby. They named him Jesus. And there's an issue that Joseph struggled with that I'm sure I I know that I struggle with. It's something I, almost on a daily basis, this is something I kind of have to wrestle with. And the truth is, everyone wrestles with this. And this is the big idea. This is what we're going to kind of defeat and unpack today is this. Write this down. Don't dumb down God. I love alliteration. Don't dumb down God. You see, it's so easy for me and maybe you, we can have these moments where we have questions and we try to minimize God. We try to fit him who is infinite into our limited, finite mind. We try to put the pieces of the puzzle together, but we don't have all the pieces. So what we do is we begin to dumb down God. We try to explain it. We try to use the logic. Now, listen, I'm going to pause and give a quick disclaimer here. What I'm not talking about today is what's called blind faith. Well, you just need to trust and believe. Listen, God is going to call some of you guys to do things in your life, and you're going to think it's kind of dumb or radical or it makes you uncomfortable. Here's what I need you to do before you do anything else. When you feel God leading you to do something, confirm it in Scripture. 
okay? Let me let you know, God is never going to lead you into sin. God is never going to lead you to do something that's contrary to his word. So when I talk about this today, some of you are like, you know what? I'm, I thought we we're supposed to question our faith. I thought we we're supposed to do that. Yes, you are through scripture. Don't take this today as ammunition to just have this blind faith. No, it is good to, again, work and try to know God because God cares for you. God is speaking to you. God is, wants you to know him. But what we have to do is we have to compare that to what's written in Scripture because we can only be as clear as Scripture is clear. Anything outside of that, we're making up and we could start a cult and we're not going to do that. Okay? Okay. Disclaimer off. So, again, what we have in Scripture reveals who God is, what God is, the nature of God. And there are times where God is going to do things that is not going to make sense. When you read in the Old Testament, with the Israelites, God called them to march around the city of Jericho multiple times, multiple days. And then on the final time, the final day, I want you to blast some trumpets. And then the walls fell down. That makes no sense whatsoever. Can you imagine standing there, hearing the leader say, hey, we're not going to go fight them. We're going to go march quietly around their walls. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Makes no sense. We have to trust the Lord, because there are times when God's going to call us to do something that's not going to make sense. It may go against what we really think, feel, and believe, and what we'll do is we will dumb it down. We will say, you know what? That's, no, I'm not going to do that. Mm-mm. No, that makes no sense whatsoever. And I'll be honest with you, I, am, I, I fall victim to this all the time, because I'm, again, I want, to, I need to understand why. If I can't understand why, I just, no, nope, I'm not having anything to do with it. We end up dumbing down God. So why is that an issue? Why do we, you know, first off, why do we even try to do it? It's because we, we value understanding too much. You and I, we want to understand. If you're like me, you need to understand. So we dumb down God because we want to understand. We try to fit him in a box. Okay, God is about this tall, this big, but God is bigger than our finite brains. He is bigger because here's the thing. We can always know stuff. We can always learn new things. God can't. He can't learn new things because he knows everything. He has all the pieces. Last week, we looked at Mary, who again, no experience. We don't know why God chose her, but she humbly accepted the lane that God had called her to live in, that God had called her to be as the mother of Jesus. And what happens when we try to, again, grasp this understanding, we try to understand it all, it causes us to typically freeze. And we miss the opportunities of being used by God. We miss the opportunities of being, again, stepping out in that faith and being obedient. And those moments just pass us by. So here's what happens again. We hit this uh, eject button. We're like, you know what? I don't want nothing to do with this. I don't get it. This sounds kind of weird. I'm not, again, marching around walls, virgins having babies, uh, Joseph being a stepdad. This is still kind of, mm, I don't know. I don't have all the questions. For me, I'll be honest with you, I have been there. I have been in these seasons of doubt personally where I just don't know. And I just want to hit the eject button. I remember uh, my wife uh, and I and our daughter, Amaya, we were living in Georgia. We were part of a ministry there to church. And there was a season, there was a period of my life where I just doubted everything. I was losing faith in the church. I was losing hope uh, for the world. I, I, I was even doubting forward about where is God in all of this. And even in that, I knew God existed because God had moved in such radical ways in my life. I couldn't dismiss God. I knew God existed. I knew he was there. I knew Jesus was real. I knew I was saved by faith through Jesus. Everything else, mm, I don't know about this. 
And I felt God tell us to wait. We were transitioning out of the church we were in and our plan, I made a plan. Let me tell you, my plan was probably not a good plan. Our plan was to move to Monroe, North Carolina, which is an area that I grew up in as a young child. And I was just gonna work in a business there. We might attend a church, I just didn't know. But even in all this, God said, wait, wait, wait. And during this, I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm tired of waiting. I want to get out of this. Will you just let me come, let me do this. Let me roll, let me hit this eject button. Wait, endure, wait. Several months, almost a year goes by. Wait, wait. And at the end of November of 2012, Kevin Bordeaux calls me. And I've known Kevin, we've been friends since 2001. And he says, hey, would you consider and pray about you and your family moving to Virginia to be a part of a church that just started named Thrive Church? And I said, yes. <laughs> so I can pray about anything, but yes. And let me tell you something. There are times in our lives where we are not going to understand. I, don't understand. I still, there are things that I went through mentally, physically, spiritually that I still don't get in that season. But... I know it was worth it. So in our lives, again, we're going to try to dumb down God. We're going to try to put him in our limited, finite mind. And when we do that, we will miss opportunities to be used by God. God may lead you to talk to a stranger, to share the gospel. Mm, I'm, I don't like talking to strangers. Mm, I'm an introvert. That's, what, that's my excuse. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about Keith. But if we take that step, we have no idea what God can do with that obedience. So if we're not going to dumb down God, if we're going to not do that, what are we going to do? What is our next step, Keith? Tell us. Here it is. Trust and obey God. Wait for it. Especially when you don't understand. Trust and obey God even when you don't have the full picture. And again, you may be thinking, Keith, that is so much easier said than done. And you are absolutely correct. But you can be obedient to God. You can live a life according to scripture. You can live a life not missing these opportunities and still not understand everything fully and still have questions. I call this in a way doubting forward. You see, I'm gonna doubt on the benefit that God is who he says he is. I'm gonna doubt, but leaning in because I know that God is moving. I know God is working. I know God is transforming lives. So I'm going to dismiss my curiosity, my mystery, because I know on the other side of this obedience, there's going to be impact. On the other side of this obedience, lives are going to be transformed. Because see, the truth is on the other side of our obedience is someone else's life. You see, when we make the decision to follow Christ, it's no longer about us. It's no longer about me. It's about what God desires and what God wants. This is not what Joseph envisioned when he got engaged to Mary. I'm pretty sure on his checklist of life was not get engaged, uh, have the savior of the world to be my stepson. No, that probably was not on his list of things. But see, that's not it. There are times in our lives where we're gonna be called or God's gonna ask us to do something and it's gonna go against what we plan. It's gonna go against what we want. And what happens in that typically, again, we freeze. What we need to do is we need to stop freezing. We need to trust and obey. This happened to the apostle Paul and his team. They were traveling through Asia and they were wanting to go to specific areas to minister and share the gospel. And on multiple occasions, which you would think, duh, Keith, that's what we're supposed to do. But did you know on multiple occasions, the Holy Spirit said, no. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You're telling me the Holy Spirit told the apostle Paul not to go share the gospel. Yes, 
Let's read about it. Acts chapter 16, this is verses six through eight. It says, next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia. I love the way that they spell these cities. They're so easy to pronounce. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then coming to the border of the Messiah, they headed north for the province of Dithnia. But again, the Spirit of Jesus, which is another name for the Holy Spirit, did not allow them to go there. So instead... They went through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. As I read this, as I've read this a number of times, I'm left with questions. Well, why? Why did God want them to go to Troas? Why was that a needed thing? What was God's purpose in that? Well, here's what is awesome. At that same time in Troas, there was this doctor. His name was Luke. He was there. He was a follower of Jesus. And he joined the team. He joined this dynamic ministry team. And what's incredible is when you're reading the book of Acts, to this point, there's they did this, they did that. Then it moves from they to we did this, we did that. You see, Luke would go on to write the book of Acts. Luke is the same Luke who wrote the gospel of Luke that we read from last week. You see, God's plan, which went against and wasn't the same as what Paul and them wanted, was for Luke to join the team. So because imagine if Paul had said, you know what? Nah, we're still gonna do this. What if, again, this is hypothetical, hypothetical. What if they had never met Luke? Would we have this book of Acts that talks about the history of the early church? Would we have the gospel of Luke? I don't know. Again, it's a question I won't have an explanation for. But you see, because of them trusting the Lord, because of them trusting the leading of the Holy Spirit, this was the outcome. And there are times when I'll be real with you, uh, some of you may be thinking that, oh, awesome, that means every time I'm obedient, something great is going to happen. <sighs> Hate to be the Sir Buzz Killington, but sadly, no. Sometimes, when you look at the life of Paul, his obedience sometimes took him to prison. Sometimes his obedience got him shipwrecked. Sometimes his obedience had caused physical anguish and suffering. Welcome to Thrive, the most encouraging church in Virginia. So why? Why is it worth it? Why do you say the obedience is worth it? Because in his suffering, God used that to share the gospel. There was occasions when he was being prison. Guess what? Paul would still be preaching the gospel. And individuals, people, jailers, people that worked in the prison, people that were in the prison, they would come to faith in Christ. So let me tell you something. The obedience is worth it, but it's not because of you. Our obedience, my obedience is not for Keith. It is for what God desires. Because on the other side of our obedience is someone else's life. And they're waiting for us to be obedient. So how do we do this? How do we trust God? How do we obey God and be okay with not understanding and not have the comp full comprehension, the full picture? Well, here's what we gotta do. We gotta stop asking the wrong question and start asking the right question. Now, here's the wrong question. The wrong question is, why me? Why me? And guess what? I ask this question constantly. I remember periods, especially in Georgia, God, why in the world am I having to put up with this? Why am I going through this? Why won't you just pluck me out of the suffering and rescue me? Why are you letting me endure it? Because there's something else afterwards. You see, when we ask that question, that is the selfish thing. 
That is telling, when we ask, God, why me? We're saying that my will, my desire, my hopes, my dreams are better and bigger than what God wants. Now, let me say again, I'm with you. I'm not preaching against you. I'm still processing this. There are so, mom so many moments I'm like, man, God, why am I doing this? Why are we going through this? Why me? Why me? Why me? And what happens is I become this victim and I'm carrying my own cake and ice cream to my pity party and I'm forgetting the bigger picture. You see, Paul, he wrote uh, to a group of believers and he said this, and this is again, a perspective making scripture. He says that you, talking to Christians, if you're a follower of Christ, this is going to hit you right in the gut. You are not your own, but you are bought at a price. Now, the price is not the admission into King's Dominion. The price is not how much gas is. The price is not how much you tithe. The price was that Jesus, God in the flesh, he came to this earth and he died. He was beaten and he was tortured. And then on the third day, he came back to life. And because of that, because of the price that was paid so that we could have eternal life, so that we could be forgiven of our sins, not of our own works, so no one can boast about it, because of that, it's not about me. And I have to be content with where I am. I have to be content with the way that I live as I'm following scripture. Some of us, we complain about our lives, but it's really our own fault at times. Not all of it, but some of it. There are things I deal with and suffer from, and it's not because of what God has done. It's because of what I've done to myself. But if I'm pursuing a life that is following Christ, I need to pursue a life that is content with where I am because where I am, if I'm following God, he can use me right where I am. So we've got to stop asking, why me? Me, 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 because it's not about us. It's about the people that don't follow Jesus. It's about your family member that has kind of disconnected themselves from church because they've been hurt in the past. It's because they matter to God. So what do we ask? Keith, that's fantastic. I wanna trust and obey God. I wanna do it even if I don't understand. Okay, cool, I'm gonna stop asking why me. What's the right question? I'm so glad you're asking and you're leaned into this message because it's simple. You ask this, you ask God, what do you want me to do? So much easier said than done. What do you want me to do? You see, God wants to use your story to impact others. God wants to use your life, your obedience to make continuing eternal impact. So when you're in Walmart and you feel God out of nowhere leading you to, to talk to this stranger and possibly share the gospel, uh, why me? I'm not really good with words. I kind of stutter and stuff. So did Moses. You know, I don't know if I can, uh, uh, uh. listen, it is not about you. That individual matters more than your comfort. And God will give you the boldness and the confidence. And I said it last week when talking about inviting people to the Christmas services. Listen, guys, you can be awkward for 15 seconds. After that 15 seconds is over, everything will calm down. And guess what? what here's what I love. Here's what it was so cool about trusting God in moments like that. God will give you the words to say. He'll do it. Listen, in the Old Testament, there was this prophet named uh, Balaam or Balaam, however you want to talk about it, however you want to pronounce it. And he was trying to go away and an angel would appear and scare his donkey. Okay, he wouldn't see the angel, but the donkey would and the donkey. And he, he got mad, man. He started hitting on the donkey. He's like, man, won't you, you, 
stupid donkey. I won't say what the King James says. Why do you keep? And then the donkey spoke. The donkey opened his mouth and spoke. Listen, I'm going to be real with you. Some of you are going to laugh at this, but I mean this wholeheartedly. If God can use a donkey to get his message across, God can speak through you. And I would know that because I might sometimes am the biggest donkey in the room. Listen, we have to stop asking why me. We have to start asking, God, what do you want me to do? See, earlier I was talking about how when I was a kid, I had this question. If God knows everything, God knew. God knew that Adam and Eve were going to sin, that they were going to cause the fall of all mankind. Why did he create them? I'm gonna let you know something. After 30 years, maybe longer, pondering this question, I still don't have an answer. I don't know. But here's what I do know. I do know God created all creation to display his glory, to display his goodness. I do know that though because of Adam and Eve, because of their sin, it separated us from God. It separated us from a right standing. And he sent his son, Jesus, to be that for us, to be in the gap, that through his death and resurrection, we can be made right with God. Not because of us, but because of him, because of what he finished, not because of what we've done. And here's what's incredible. There's nothing, the worst thing you can imagine, the worst thing you can imagine cannot separate you from God. It's not going to put you where, okay, well, hey man, you have no idea what my past is. So if I do this, I need to do this, this. No, no, you need to believe and confess. That's it. That's what scripture says. That's what Paul says. If you want to begin and follow Jesus, you believe that Jesus was who he said he was. That in his death and in his resurrection, we can be forgiven of our sins. That we have eternal life. You believe that and you confess that. That's it. I don't understand that. Me neither. That's okay. But isn't it a great thing that we don't have to understand it? That God in his good grace just says, you know what? This is all you got to do. This is all you need to do to be good with me. And I don't understand it because I can barely do that with friends. When someone does me wrong, man, they are on the list. But when we have faith in Christ, we're not on that list. We're on a different list we can have eternal life because of Christ. And there are a lot of things as we live this life, we are not gonna have the answer to. We can't dumb down God. We can't ask, why me? We have to trust and obey God despite things that we don't understand. Here's what's awesome though. I have a list of questions in my head because if I have my own paper, it won't matter. I won't take that paper with me to eternity. But when I get to heaven, when I die one day, whew, he's got some questions to answer. Some of them are very dumb questions. Like why do mosquitoes exist? They're pointless. They're just a nuisance. But listen, here's what I know. I may not know a lot, but here's what I do know. God cares for you. God loves you. God wants to use your life, whether you think it's small or you have a giant ego and great pride and you think you're going to do incredible amazing Listen, God wants to use you where you are. You don't have to be at a certain status. You don't have to be in a social, social bracket, economic bracket, financial. Listen, that's again why God is so good in his goodness is that he cares for all of us and loves us all equally. 
He doesn't love me more because I'm on this stage. Sometimes I think he might love me less. <laughs> so here's what I need us to do. Because I don't know about you. I can't do this by myself. There's no way that I can, because of how God created me, not want to understand why. But I can put that aside so that I can be obedient. I can trust that God is in control because he has all the pieces. I have just a few. You have just a few. So what I want to do is I want to pray for us. I want to pray that God will continue to guide us, that God will give us the boldness and the strength to be obedient to him, to trust him no matter what we're facing and to give us peace when we don't understand. So if you would pray with me this morning. God, we're so thankful that you are for us, you're not against us. You created us to display your glory. God, help us. God, help us that we're going through trials, when we're going through uh, suffering, when we're going through chaos, when we are questioning you, when we begin to ask, why me? God, help us to shift our focus from our current and present suffering, God, to you, to your plan, to your desires that are bigger. Help us to remember that even our Savior Jesus suffered to be obedient to you. God, let us find encouragement that we, have not, that we are not suffering by ourselves. And God, I pray you give us the boldness that if we do feel that we are uh, going under, that we're, more is happening than we can endure. God, you created us for community. God, help us to find individuals in our lives. God, guide us to strong friendships and relationships that can breathe life into us, that will not pull us down, but that will lift us up. Because God, we need you and we need others. God, that's how you created and made us. God, help us in our lives, God, to trust you, to obey you despite what we're facing, despite what we're going through. God, give us the boldness and the courage and the strength to step out even when we don't fully understand. Like Peter, Jesus, when, when Peter was beckoned to walk on water, I would have had a lot of questions. God, help us to be like Peter and be willing to step out, to be obedient because we know that our obedience is, is directly connected to someone else's life. God, I pray as we leave today, we're gonna have conversations with so many people throughout the week. God, may we keep your desire, your will in front of us. God, let us not, God, just try to be self-seeking. God, give us peace in moments where we don't understand, but we're gonna be leaned in. We're gonna doubt forward. We're gonna know that we can trust you. We know that we can be obedient to you. We know that you, your ways are higher than our ways. We can lean on you even if we don't fully understand. God, guide our conversations. Help us to be individuals that are obedient to your will. And as we continue to pray today, you may be sitting here watching online and you don't have a relationship with Jesus. I said earlier, listen, to begin a relationship with your creator, to follow Jesus is to believe and to confess. It doesn't matter what the past looks like. I don't care. Scripture says that if we, are to, if we believe and confess, we will be saved. And here's what I want you to do. If you wanna begin a relationship with Jesus today, I want you to pray this prayer with me. It's a way of confession. And say, God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I believe that by your death and resurrection, I'm forgiven of my sins. I am made whole 
and right in your eyes because of Jesus. I confess that you are Lord of my life. Guide my steps. I surrender everything to you. To your holy name we pray. Amen.